Welcome to the Lifting Lindsay podcast. Today we are going to be talking about reverse dieting. I'm going to talk about the theories of it. And then I'm going to be talking about application. Because I feel like a lot of people throw it out there like, well, you need a reverse and you need to sit in maintenance. And to be honest, I actually haven't seen that much on social media about how to do it. But before we get into this, I just really wanted to make one announcement that come August 15th, so this Monday, two new programs are dropping on the training app. One program is in the fat loss group. This is a strength slash metabolic work. So this is going to be a great one for fat loss, for body recomp. It's going to be a really fun one. The other group is the muscle and strength group. So this one is primarily hypertrophy and it is going to be a fun one because it is mechanical damage. So just just so you know about mechanical damage, this is one where you tend to be a little bit more sore during this type of training, but it is hypertrophy work, both of them, and we are working on progressive overload. Let's just dive right into this. It's really important to understand a few things about reverse dieting. Before we even talk about it, before we even jump into why it may or may not be needed, and that is, and how to do it, and that is that they're really, the, the idea of re- reverse dieting is actually really, really new. So that's what you need to understand. There isn't a lot of imperial evidence of it, but there is some ancillary evidence for it. And this is probably why you see so many different takes on it, right? Everybody has a different approach. You need to take six months to to reverse. You need to take double the amount of time that you were in a diet. Oh my gosh, I I watch people, they're like, I've spent the last year reversing. I'm like, what the freak were you doing for 12 months? Were you increasing your calories one kcal a day? I mean, what in the world? You were living in fear for an entire year that you didn't need to. That's what just happened. That is literally just what happened. Sorry, I get very passionate about this because it's some of it is just ridiculous what people are encouraged to do. So like I said, there really isn't that much evidence. So we, we do have to be careful when people are talking in absolutes on this matter. I mean, there are some things that we can be absolutely sure about. You don't need to do it for 12 months. That is an absolute that I will stand by (laughs) because you don't. Okay, just because people will say, well, you're supposed to do it double the time that you were. Who made up that rule? Who literally made up that rule? Guys, if you were to try to Google studies on research, guess what you're going to find? Nada. You really aren't going to find hardly anything because we don't have research on this. We really don't have quality research that has been done, that has provided evidence of this is how we should do it. We now know this is how we should do it. So what we're getting, and this is really, really, really important to understand, what we're getting is a lot of opinions on how it should be done. 
and opinions, the problem with opinions in the fitness industry. A lot of times it's an opinion of one person who just reversed themselves. And that is their, that is the breadth of their experience is, well, I did this and it worked for me. Good job. But what about people who don't have your exact same genetics and body and mind? What about all of the other people? So as we have this discussion, we do need to understand that some coaches are coming at it with a very limited amount of practice and knowledge because it's just kind of like on themselves and maybe they've had three clients. Others, they're coming at it with themselves versus hundreds of other people that they've actually helped through a reverse. So the people with hundreds of clients are probably going to see, obviously, a, a wider breadth of, okay, this is what I've seen works. This what I, is what I have seen doesn't work. And then also we need to come at it with this too. And I've talked about this a few times. There's this bell curve in fitness, in life, really, let's be honest, in everything. But there's this bell curve in fitness where we have like 70% of people fall in this, this center part where it's like, okay, this is how most people are going to respond. And, and so we can make these blanket statements that apply to most people. But then there are the hyper and then there are the hypo or the no responders. These people exist. So I'm not going to sit here and say, well, they don't exist. And if you did it my way and it didn't work perfectly for you, then you did something wrong. And no, I understand that these people exist. I have worked with hundreds of clients and I have had a few where there have been additional issues. So I'm going to be talking, though, to the majority of individuals in this discussion, okay? So I'm going to be addressing more of, and I'll talk a little bit about the hyper responders, but the problem is a coach, unless a coach has worked with you, they don't know, are they going to be a hyper responder? Are they going to be sitting in the middle? Are they going to be hypo or a no responder? Like they don't know how much a diet influences you. And we'll get a little bit more into that as we go forward. But I want you to keep that in mind that there is this bell curve. Now, here's the problem, though, that I do feel like a lot of people have this problem, is they instantly think that, well, I'm the hypo, I'm the non-responder, I'm the person who has to be ridiculously cautious, who can't eat carbs, that I have to do all of these crazy things, that's just my body. You probably aren't. You probably aren't actually the exception to the rule. And you're probably coming at it from a lot of feelings and fear versus actual facts. So be very cautious about that. Let's first define what is reverse dieting. And I'm going to use Lane Norton's definition because I like it. I like it the most, I think. It is a controlled periodic increase in calories to improve energy expenditure. Energy expenditure is how many calories your body burns, right? So it's an increase in calories to improve energy expenditure 
while limiting body fat gain. So let's review what happens in a diet. As you sit in a calorie deficit, your energy expenditure does decrease. And that comes from a few things. When you plateau, it's due to this decrease in energy expenditure. So you lower your calories again. That way you can keep going with the cut. And some people have to do that. And some people actually can go an entire like three-month cut without making adjustments to their calories. So it just depends on the individual. So why does it decrease? Well, one, you weigh less. So if the, if the calorie deficit is working, you know, and you've lost 10, 15, 20 pounds, well, you weigh less. So therefore, the calories that it takes to maintain this new lower weight is less. So you have less fat to maintain. You can also decrease the amount of movement that you naturally have. Like I'm a hands talker. I've talked about this a few times on my podcast. I, I mean, literally as I'm sitting here discussing with this with you, you have no idea how much I've been using my hands literally to explain everything. And I don't know why I feel that need, but for some reason when I talk, it's like they'll really get it if I use my hands, even though you can't even see me. <laughs> but here I am. I'm a hand stalker. Okay. Well, what's interesting is when I go into a calorie deficit, the amount of movement of my hands goes down. And it's really funny because when I go into a calorie deficit, I don't announce it to my family. But my husband will tell me, I know when you've hit a certain point in a calorie deficit because he's like, I see your hands stop moving. They stop moving as I talk. I'm like, oh, I must be so boring when I talk. Like, I don't know why, but it just makes it better when I use my hands. Anyway, sorry, too much about the hand movement. But that is one thing. So your non-exercise activity does naturally decrease because remember how we talked about this before with the other podcasts on maintenance and such, that when you influence one side of this equation, like if you bring down the energy coming in, then your body will want to lower the energy going out to kind of stabilize things again. So this is just, it's nothing actually going wrong. It's your body is so intelligent and it's all about survival. So it will decrease that non-exercise activity. In fact, they say when it does come down to this decrease in, in maintenance, the most of it does have to do with that non-exercise activity. So here are a few others. The amount of calories burned through eating food decreases because you're getting less food. But here's the thing. That's like so minimal that I almost hesitate even bringing it up. It's so minimal. That's like when people are like, oh, if you eat more, then you burn way more. Well, you don't actually burn way more, but, but you do burn a little tiny bit more, yeah. So we need to be cautious about kind of making a bigger deal of things that actually aren't like they're not the big rocks. So we want to fit all the big rocks in, make sure we're doing all of those and nailing those, and then we can kind of pour the sand in, right? So those aren't big rocks by any stretch of the imagination, you burning less because you're eating less. But that does have a slight bit of a decrease, very slight. But then there are also decreases to your RMR, your resting metabolic rate. And this is kind of where everybody freaks out. This is what they all freak out about. And they're like, oh, my metabolism is broken. 
Okay, no. These decreases in RMR. Let me actually read something by Ben House. He's a researcher. I really respect him. I really like him. And I love what he's said on this this subject. And I will actually share this research in the notes if you want to read it. I love reading research. I'm a nerd. And so I will include this research that he quotes in there because I think that that's important. Anyways, only 60% of subjects from these studies manifested significant changes to their resting metabolic rate. So that RMR. And this was in response, guys, to a reduction of around like 13 pounds. Only 60% actually had a reduction in RMR. And here's what's fascinating is the vast majority of those cases, the reduction was only 3 to 5%, which is very minimal. That's only 50 to 75 calories, which isn't actually a big deal. You can have that reduction if you just don't move as much during that day. So these are very unlikely to be clinically significant or meaningful. So then he goes on, nevertheless, with a loss of greater than 5% body weight, a slight fall in RMR is likely. And then at 10%, greater than 10% weight loss, one's muscles actually start becoming more efficient and burn fewer calories. This is so fascinating to me, guys. Our body becomes more efficient with less. Okay, how cool is that? I wish my car did that. I mean, seriously, it is so expensive to fill my car up with gas. I wish it could become, I wish I could put in less and have it become more efficient. So people look at that and they're like, oh, that's bad. No, actually, it's pretty cool. These are, these are survival mechanisms because that's all your body cares about. It's like it wants to survive. It doesn't care that you have a six-pack. It doesn't care about your weight loss goals. So it actually becomes more efficient. But that's after like a 10% weight loss of your total body weight. So I really love what Ben House explains here using the research, using data, not feelings, but the data that we actually have on this. Look, if you lose like 13 pounds, 10, 13 pounds, if these people lost about 10, 13 pounds, yeah, there was a reduction, but it was like, it was meaningless. It was like 50 to 75 kcals a, a day. That is nothing. That's nothing. Sit at maintenance, build a little bit more muscle, and, and you've just and you've made that up. Or have your focus be a little bit more on body recomp, maybe not go into such aggressive calorie deficits, but have more moderate calorie deficits and try to get a little bit of muscle growth. Or maybe once you've reversed back up, sit at maintenance. Try to build a little bit more muscle. You can eat a little bit more like that. You can eat your, you can make up that 50. But keep in mind, keep in mind, guys, this wasn't every single person experienced this. This was 60%. I've seen some studies say only 20% experienced this. Not 60%, only 20%. So I think it's really good to, to look at it in, 
it is up to 60%, can possibly, but that doesn't mean that that's you. That doesn't mean that that's you. Okay, so I really love first talking about that, diving into what does the research actually say? Know your body is not broken. Know your RMR is not thrashed after a calorie deficit. So then let's talk about the real problem post-calorie deficit, post-cut. I actually think it's that people think that the diet is over. The diet's over. I can now go back to my old way of living. My old food choices maybe mixed in, mingled with a little bit more of these food choices, but not really. I'm just going to go back to my old lifestyle now because the diet's over, right? I lost the weight. So what's going to happen? You're going back to the same exact lifestyle, food culture that put you into a position that you wanted to, where you felt like you wanted to lose weight. What do you think is going to happen? Well, mix that type of mentality with the fact that at the bottom of a calorie deficit, your hormones that regulate satiety, so like feelings of being full and satisfied, are a little bit dysregulated. So your body isn't going to tell you as quickly that it's full, I'm satisfied. So the likelihood of you really overeating way past your new maintenance is increasingly high. And this is where people usually suffer from this yo-yo dieting because within a few weeks, bam, they've put half the weight back on. And oh no, oh no, I've got to go back into the diet, right? And they start yo-yo dieting. This is horrible. In fact, do you know what's really interesting? A problem we often see with that regain quickly of body fat And then they try to push the calories down again. But here's the problem. Energy expenditure hasn't recovered yet. And so their second diet actually doesn't seem to work as well. And this research has been shown in rats. Similar effects. The diet, regain, diet, regain, diet, regain, that whole cycle. Every preceding diet seemed to show less results. Wow. This is why, guys, this is why get out of the diet, stay at maintenance, allow your body to recover. Spending months, not a few days at maintenance, spending a few months at maintenance. And then if you still feel like, okay, I want to now go back into a calorie deficit. I want to shave off a little bit more of this body fat, then do it. But this whole yo-yo dieting, We are seeing adverse effects of it. So that's really important that we reverse. So don't just go back to old food patterns and eat whatever. Because between the old way of eating and between your hormones that control your feelings of being satisfied and full, being a little bit dysregulated, the likelihood of you regaining everything is, well, it's about 80% because that's what the, that's what the data has said. It's about 80% likely going to happen. So 
This is why it's really important to understand that the diet actually isn't over or the the cut, whatever you want to call it, isn't over until you're back eating at maintenance. And because we have a new maintenance, there is a possibility to overshoot it again just a bit because the decreased energy expenditure does take time to kind of come back up again. So this is the idea of reverse dieting. This is where this idea came from and why people say we should have a more controlled approach to increasing calories. So then how do we properly reverse? How do we do it? This is where I feel like everybody talks about it, but how do we do it? And how do I know that I've hit my new maintenance? And why is there new maintenance? Let's, let's cover that one more time because I feel like people often miss this and they keep asking, even though I feel like I, I try to cover it really well. So why is there new maintenance? Well, once again, you weigh less. So, so to maintain what you now weigh is going to be a, a little lower, right? Depending on how much weight you lost. So there's that. And then there is a 20 to 60% chance that maybe the RMR came down a little bit. And so we do have to spend time pushing that back up to where it should be or that range, that your new maintenance range. So that's why people say you do have a new maintenance So I'm going to make this as simple as possible, as super, super simple as possible as I cover how you can do this at home by yourself. Well, once again, let's remember, number one, the diet isn't over till you're back at your maintenance. So continue tracking steadily. This is not the time to get lazy. You are not at the finish line yet. This is like stopping a marathon the last mile and thinking, okay, well, I did it. No, like the, the, it's, the finish line is right there. You are so close. Don't just stop now. You are so close to being done. And then you're like, well, I did it. Why didn't I get the medal? I did the marathon. No, you didn't. The, the, the finish line is right there. So keep going, guys. Keep going. A lot of times my clients will be like, well, you added more calories. So I thought, well, now is the time to get kind of lazy with tracking and add in a little bit more of my own. And I'm like, okay, but you do that and you're going to overshoot. Okay. So you, you may overshoot. So you're not done yet. So that's number one. Remember that. Number two, find your new maintenance range. Okay. So how do you do this? Well, if you listen to my podcast on maintenance, you know that it's a range and not just one set number. So we do have to have some flexibility, but go and go back and listen to that. The podcast on maintenance and fat loss, very important. So please go back and listen to those. So you can actually do this with a simple TDE calculator. So if you used a calculator to find whatever calculator you use to find your calorie deficit, should go back to that to find and put in your information again and find what your new maintenance should be. And I'm actually going to link in the show notes my macro calculator because it does show you once you plug in all your information. At the bottom, it does show like about-ish what your new maintenance should be. 
So keep that in mind. Go back to whatever calculator or calculations you use and recalculate your body as it is right now. Now, number three is decide how cautious or aggressive you want to be. But don't be annoyingly cautious. As I said, you don't need to be doing this for 12 months. That's just ridiculous. I don't even think for six months. Like that's just, you just, uh, there's a lot of people out there preaching that. And I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm just not on that bandwagon. But we do have two options that I'm going to give you. Option number one is just jump back up to your new perceived maintenance. Like no really slow reverse or even moderate reverse may be needed for you. I really think that there's bodies that are very flexible metabolically and that don't need. There are many people out there who they dieted down so minimally even just just jump back up. And even your approach to the diet, if you were doing like a three-week cut, one-week break, three-week cut, one-week break, those actually show those types of breaks show that RMR isn't hit. And so you, if that was your approach, you could just jump back up to your new perceived maintenance. So what about the cautious person? Which I have a feeling that majority of you are going to be like, that is so scary. I need to be cautious about this. And I understand that. I get that. Especially if it's your first reverse, I probably would be like, yeah, be a little bit more cautious because going back to that bell curve, you don't know yet where you lie on it. And as a coach, I don't know where people lie on it yet. And so there are some clients that I'm just like, cut, bam, you're back up. I've worked with you. We've done this a few times. You don't need to reverse, bam, back up and on, onward, right? Other people, I'm like, well, you're newer. I don't know how your body's going to respond. Let's just do more of a cautious approach. But don't get confused when I use the word cautious into thinking that this is still going to be like some three-month reverse. So let me just give you a breakdown of this. So jump back up to just under your new perceived maintenance. So let's say you want to be very cautious and make sure you don't overshoot your new maintenance. So what you're going to do is you're going to keep all energy out the same. Keep cardio the same, keep your steps the same, keep your training the same, like, and jump back up, but maybe jump calories back up to 5 to 10% under your new perceived maintenance. So once you are there, you can spend the next four to six weeks if you really want to be cautious raising your calories by like 50-ish. Sit there for a week, weighing yourself every single day, kind of seeing where things go. And it doesn't matter if it's from carbs or fats. Find a place where you enjoy the ratio of carbs and fats. Keep protein around 0.8 to 1 gram body weight, and you'll be fine during this time frame. Once you hit your maintenance calories, you can start adjusting energy out and see how that influences things as far as cardio. So if you were doing cardio, you don't feel like you can sustain or want to sustain, then slowly take that away and see how that influences things. So weigh daily and your body weight over two to three week periods should be about the same. There is going to be fluctuation, but it should be about the same. So are there people who increase weight during reverse? hundred percent. Yes. You have more glycogen stored, water weight, nutrients, food in your digestive tract. 
There can be water weight that's that's now being held that's just under the skin and it can make you look a little less sharp. So the last cut I did, my six pack started showing up. When I reversed, my six pack was still there, but it was a little less sharp. So weight and fat are not the same. And that's important to understand. And that like lack of sharpness, I, I believe came back down to that, that, that water being retained just under the skin. So now this is an example. I'm going to show you an example of a cautious approach. And we're going to use a mysterious person named Sarah. And Sarah, don't ask me why I choose the names that I choose. I feel like Karen is overused. I'll give Karen's a rest. I'll use Sarah. So let's say Sarah was eating at 1,500 calories at the end of her diet. And she lost 7 8% of her body weight during her diet. So she landed at the bottom of the calorie deficit at 1,500 calories. Her new maintenance, she figured out using a simple TD calculator that she had used to find her calorie deficit. So her new maintenance is showing 2,000 calories. But remember how it's a range and it's at about-ish. So she wants to be a little bit more cautious in her approach back up. So she keeps energy out where it has been. And then she takes 2,000 calories and she subtracts 10%. And it says, okay, start the reverse at 1,800 calories. So she goes from 15, she jumps it up to 1,800 calories. She sees a slight increase in the scale over a week's time as she weighs herself daily. She even has a mini freak out. And then she remembers the wise words of Lifting Lucy, <laughs> that weight isn't fat. And she calms the frick down. She looks at herself in the mirror and says, I love you. I love food. I want more food. And I know I need to do this to be the healthy, strong, physically and mentally person that I want to be. So with that in mind, she moves on. She instantly starts noticing that her lifts are feeling so much better. Awesome. She's really pushing new PRs. She can fit more food she loves into her diet. So instantly, this is a win. I just barely was reading this book, The Gap and the Gain. And if you haven't read it, I'm actually going to start making all of my new clients either read the book or I'm going to do a podcast episode on it that they have to listen to to understand some of those principles that are taught in that book because I think that they're so, so important. A lot of times we fixate on the gap instead of what we've gained. In this instance, she saw the scale move up a little bit. If she had fixated on that, she would have been fixating on the gap. And it could have possibly thrown her back into yo-yo dieting. And now she's nowhere closer to her goal because she focused on the gap. The goal was to maintain around the same weight and eat more and be more healthy in body, in body and mind. But because she was focusing on the gap of this slight increase in the scale, most likely having nothing to do with body fat, she put herself in the gap and can't progress. But instead, if she looks at the gain, what has she gained? What has she gained? Well, now she's, she's gained more food. Yay. She gets to eat more of what she loves. That's awesome. What else has she gained? Well, more than likely, 
she's gaining some muscle because her lifts are killing it. So she feels so much more better, so much higher energy. Wow, there's a lot of gains here. And if she keeps on focusing on the gains, then she's going to continue progressing. People who focus on the gains and not on the gap, but on the gains are those that in the long run, see and hold on to results in fitness, really in anything in life. Let's be honest. So anyways, going back to Sarah, so she can fit more food in. She starts feeling a little bit better during her lifts. After a week, she starts getting more and more hungry, though. She starts noticing her hunger started increasing it. Maybe initially she's not as hungry and even feels really full. But then all of a sudden she starts feeling more hungry, almost ravenous, if you will. This can happen as your metabolic engine revs back up. But she is feeling really good. She doesn't give in to eating whatever. So she's really doing good at fighting fears that are coming into her mind about, oh no, she's going to put on fat. No, no, no. Don't focus on the gap. Focus on the gain. She knows she has to do this process to be truly healthy in the long run. She steps on the scale daily, not letting daily fluctuations rock her and send her back into a calorie deficit where she would just start a yo-yo diet. And we already know what happens with yo-yo dieting. What happens? Is the, is the second diet better or worse? Well, we know it's worse. We've had indications of it being worse. She also fights the urge to feel like, well, the diet's over. I can just go back to my old lifestyle choices that got me here in the first place. Nope. Sarah is awesome. She fights all of that. She focuses on the gain. So after a week or two, the scale is hovering up one to two pounds. She remembers that there will be an initial increase in the first week, usually. Okay, guys? Usually you are going to see increases. And especially, I'm just going to say it, like if you wake up in the morning and you weigh yourself and you haven't pooped yet, you probably will see an increase. Like you've got to actually think, is everything the same? Do I wake up, pee, poop, weigh? Or, or, you know, last time did I poop? This time did I not? I know it's uncomfortable when I say poop, but, but we're all big kids. We can handle this word, right? I, I'm serious. Like I have gone, I've weighed myself in the morning gone to the bathroom, weighed myself again, just as a joke, and it's like down two pounds. So yes, we do want to make sure that those things are, are normal, right? But we also want to make sure that we're not focusing on the scale too much, but just merely using it as a tool. So she remembers these things. She remembers that there will be an initial increase for most people. Some people are annoying and they're like, I just kept losing fat. <laughs> I don't mean to call you guys annoying. <laughs> you, you know you're lucky. You know you're awesome. But the rest of us are kind of like, really? Really? So remember, remember majority of people fall in the middle part of that bell curve. And the middle part, don't just keep losing weight during a reverse. In fact, sometimes when I, when I hear that, where people are like, oh, I began my reverse and I started losing more weight. Let's kind of talk about that for a second, because I think a lot of times, especially when I hear they were like, I was at 1300 calories, I wasn't losing anything. 
and I started eating and I started losing. Sometimes it's because they weren't really at 1300. That was too low for them to actually be compliant. And so it was a lot of restriction, overeating, restriction, overeating. And then finally you give them a number that they can be consistent at. Like all of a sudden they're at like 1500 and they're like, I lost so much weight. Well, yeah, because you're now at a number where you can actually be consistent at. Another thing too is maybe the type of training that you were doing really needed carbs and you weren't giving it carbs because the calorie deficit was so low. And so there was a lot of water retention and such going on because it was a high stress environment for the body. And now all of a sudden when we're matching like nutrition and training, all of a sudden you kind of see that flush out and they'll even like come out looking a lot leaner. They're not bloated as much. Their gut isn't affected as much because now we're, we're matching nutrition and training a little bit better. That's a thing. That is a thing. That is very real. And it's usually people who, who are doing like really, really low calorie and carb and they are doing kind of cross, nothing wrong with CrossFit, but CrossFit type metabolic, really high stress training. And CrossFit thrives with carbs. So you're doing keto and CrossFit. That's not a very good pairing. So your body could develop a lot of stress where all of a sudden it gets really bloated, holds onto a lot of water when you're doing that type of training mixed with really low carb. You just got to pair the training. You got to be a little bit smarter with that. So anyway, going back to Sarah. So she increases her calories 50 to 75 and watches for another week or two. Then she increases again and watches closely. She is now about 2,000 calories a day after five weeks and is feeling awesome. She is up maybe three pounds, but doesn't mind because she still feels lean and also her lifts are doing incredible. She's focusing on the gain. So she knows she's probably put on some muscle too. Like sometimes clients will be like, I'm up like uh, five pounds. And I'm like, but all of your measurements are the same and you're still looking so lean. This is awesome. You've probably put on some muscle during this time frame even if it's just kind of like a sarcoplasmic increase of glycogen into the muscle stores. So that is really exciting. Remember, weight increasing and body fat increasing are different. And the scale doesn't know the difference. I don't care if you have one of those scales that has like a body fat percentage and a muscle and those aren't as reliable as we think we are. Now, I do like using mine as a long-term thing, kind of watching things long-term but I don't use it week to week. Like, I think last week it showed my muscle had gone up two pounds. Yeah, I'm sorry, but I know my muscle didn't go up two pounds in one week. So it is not as accurate as we want to believe it is. We want numbers to kind of console us, right? To get us out of that fear mindset. But that's why coaches are always like, trust the process. And I a little bit hate that because it's an annoying thing to say to somebody who's really putting a lot of faith in you and in this process, and they're filled with a lot of fear. And I understand when people say that, like trust the process. But for those of us who have been down this road before, not only just with our one body self, but literally taking hundreds of people through this, then we really do understand the, the process. And so I hope that this 
episode on reverse dieting has been enlightening. One, that you understand that there's really not that much data out there. Two, we don't need to be taking these ridiculously long three-month-plus reverses. We really don't. There's no data out there really supporting it either. Different approaches depend on the person and also their mindset. So like I said before, if I've worked with a client before and I know how they respond, we'll probably just jump them back up. If you're a newer client, I don't know. I don't know how you're going to respond. There is a huge likelihood that we could just jump you up. But sometimes just getting the buy-in of the client, I will do a more moderate six-week reverse because that gets the buy-in and it keeps their stress levels low. They learn to trust the process a little bit more. And then maybe next time they do just jump back up to perceived. And they're okay watching, you know, this, this fluctuation a little bit in weight because they under, they've been through the process. They understand this fluctuation a little bit more and they don't fear it. So hopefully this has been really beneficial too, as I took you through Sarah, as Sarah took you through her reverse and how you kind of saw how we figured out her calories to jump back up to and such too. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Lifting Lindsay podcast. If you have any questions, please send me a message at Lifting Lindsay on Instagram. You can always check out my coaching as well as my training app for optimized training. August 15th, we're starting two new training programs on the app. One of them is going to be tailored a little bit more towards fat loss because it's strength paired with metabolic work. The other one is going to be strength training and it is mechanical damage. So you're going to be a little sore. You're going to feel sore from this. Mechanical damage is usually what really induces that soreness. So just be mindful of that. But we have two new training programs dropping on the app. You can get on there and check those out. That's starting August 15th.